Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast, coming to you right after the Mavs 105-99 victory against the Sacramento Kings at home. It was an exciting game in which the Mavs got off to a rare good start and led after the first quarter for the first time this season. They led at halftime for the first time this season, and it was a near wire-to-wire effort against a Kings team that looks to be one that is going to at least fight for the playoffs this year. They have a lot of talent on that team, so it was nice to see the Mavs get up for an early game, something we haven't seen them do in a while, especially considering they're coming off an embarrassing loss in Denver on Friday night. This was a welcome sight, and now we move our sights to the game on Tuesday against Miami. But first, I got to introduce my guest for this episode, it's our most famous guest since we had Mark Cuban on here. He's the Mavs Twitter legend, Tyler Adams. How's it going, man? You know, it's uh, it's great to join. And, you know, regardless of what I say, it's not going to be as great as how you talked about me. So, so thanks a lot, Jay. I appreciate it and happy to be on. <laughs> yeah, anytime. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so glad you were able to come on and we'll be able to talk shop about the Mavs. So I noticed that this week you also sat courtside for a couple of the games. How was that? Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to sit courtside for a couple of the games. Um, uh, you know, my friend's friend who actually has those tickets, a couple of the people couldn't go due to, you know, traffic and other factors. So uh, I typically sit about 12 rows off of the floor behind the visitor's bench for my season tickets. But, you know, anytime you can sit, first row it's a it's a great opportunity and um you know you see things you you don't see on tv or even sitting pretty close just for example how well dorian finney smith fills the passing lanes or uh how much dwight powell gets hit in the face and they call absolutely nothing i mean you can probably see that on tv but just to see the the bruising he takes up close and how he gets no calls is pretty incredible and of course the referees talking to Luca, Luca complaining, asking like, "When are you going to give me a T? When are you going to give me a T?" And then they do. So, f- <laughs> fun stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I sat pretty close to the Mavs bench um, on Tuesday in the home opener, and that was the closest I've ever sat in a game before. And it was a really good experience, just for really all the reasons you mentioned. You get to witness up close and in person a lot of the small things that you miss on TV or even when you're sitting, you know, 10 or 15 rows up from the floor. So definitely want to do that again, but let's just get right into this game. So the Mavs, like I said, got off to a good start for the first time, maybe all season against the Kings. They were moving the ball. Well, they were hitting their shots. They didn't look sluggish. Um, You know, the spacing looked normal today, which was nice. And they jumped out to a 15-point lead in the first quarter. Of course, over the course of the game, the Kings kind of uh, cut the lead and, and made it close. And it was a pretty close game for a long stretch of time before the Mavs sort of pulled away there towards the end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Luca was pretty good today, aside from the, the three-point shooting struggles that are continuing for him. But I liked his aggressiveness. I liked him getting to the rim, trying to draw fouls. Um, you know, it was a welcome sight. I really like Frank Milikina's energy and contributions on offense. We'll talk about that too. And Dorian Finney-Smith was 
crucial for the Mavs on defense. Um, and, you know, defense has been one of the big surprises for the Mavs this season. So, Tyler, I'm curious to hear what were your kind of biggest takeaways from this game? Uh, yeah, I mean, all great points by you, obviously. I think we saw how important Maxi Kleba is to the Mavs uh, and the versatility to these shows. You know, he got off to an awesome early start, only playing seven minutes and, you know, having seven points and five rebounds. And he was a team high uh, plus 11 in those seven minutes. But, you know, as he didn't come back into the game in the second quarter and then as the second half progressed, you kind of saw the Mavs just struggle to find anybody who could provide quality, uh, you know, big minutes outside of uh, Dwight Powell, who surprisingly had a good game today after some early struggles. Like you said, Luka Doncic had struggled from three this season. If you recall last year, he also struggled from three to start last season. So I, I don't know if he's playing in a shape like he did last season, but I think maybe he's, you know, just trying to find his place in this new offense, which, you know, Igor's offense is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past from, uh, you know, Steven Silas or uh, – Rick Carlisle, whatever version of the offense, you know, Luca has been in. So he's obviously off ball a little bit more. Um, it seems like the Mavericks have really been emphasizing him to get as many post looks as possible. So I, I'm confident as the games go on, the Mavericks will make a decision by, you know, game or game 15 or game 20. Hey, do we keep trying the Igor offense or do we just punt this thing back to what we had before? Maybe we'll see the three-man leadership committee come up with that. Yeah, no, that, that, those are some good points. And I think a lot has been made about the Mavs' offensive struggles here in the first two weeks of the season. Um, a lot of it, people are attributing to Jason Kidd. And whether you believe it's, it's all on him or not is another discussion. I think there's certainly things they could do better as a team in terms of spacing and, and motion. But one thing I do like is just the – unpredictability of it um, I think keeps uh, keeps defenses on their toes at times um, when it's working when it's not working we see what happens with that but in theory it's a good it's a good system we'll see how long they stick to it like you said um, you know the Mavs are still bottom three in offensive rating I think after this game their offensive rating is 99.3 so they're still only one of three teams in the league with an offensive rating of below 100 but if they can replicate this game going forward, I think they will slowly move up those rankings. But defensively, this team is very close to the top 10. I think they entered this game uh, 12th in defensive rating. I want to see what they are now. They're still 12th, um, but they've held opponents to under 100 points in three of their first six games, which is something we're not used to seeing. And, and like I said, Dorian Finney-Smith has been a huge part of that. You know, he struggled a lot on offense right now. He's really unable to convert on many three-pointers. But on defense, I mean, he's so active, like you said, always jumping to passing lanes. It just seems like he has a lot more energy this year in terms of chasing his man around. Um, and, and the defense has been a huge surprise and welcome sight uh, for the Mavs this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they've obviously made defense a point of emphasis. Uh, they tried to make it a point of emphasis in the famed Seth Curry for Josh Richardson trade. That didn't really work out. 
uh, it seems with, you know, Kidd and Sean Sweeney's defensive scheme that the Mavericks are playing a lot better defense. Conversely, their offense has gone from historic to historically bad. (laughs) They're still shooting under 40% as a team for the season, last in the NBA. So, I, you know, I don't know if you have the same thought, but when I watch games, I just watch Jalen Brunson creating for the bench, and I think to myself, if he misses, you know, five games, it, it could be detrimental to the Mavs. Like, they could go 0-5 in that stretch because outside of Luka and Brunson, I don't know who's going to create offense for the Mavs or who's going to get easy buckets. So a- Absolutely. It's, it's very difficult. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Brunson because he's been huge uh, for the Mavs this season. And he's also been playing, you know, close to 30 minutes a game. This afternoon, he wasn't great. He only had eight points on three of 10 shooting. But, um, you know, he's he's been critical to helping the Mavs overcome a lot of these slow starts that they've had in the first uh, five games prior to this one. Him and Maxi Kleba off the bench have been a really potent duo, which uh, is why, like, we really hope that Maxi doesn't miss too much time because his value on offense and defense is is extremely evident right now and you know just him being healthy you can see it in the way he moves he's got his explosiveness back and so you know Brunson and 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 Kleba have been amazing for the bench this year Um, you know one guy who's starting to come around on the bench unit too and give the Mavs a little bit of ball handling that they overall lack on this roster is Frank Nilekina. And, you know, he had his best game of the young season today with 12 points. He hit both of his three-pointers and was four of six from the floor. And I'm, I've always been a fan of Frank, but I couldn't have imagined that he would become, you know, a, a part of this rotation so soon in the season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I'll be the first to say whenever they signed Neil Aquino, I was like, okay, cool. This guy will try <laughs> to c- compete to make the roster, but um I didn't think he would make it I wasn't a big fan of his game in New York I thought he was also excuse me he's always been a great defender uh everything else in his offensive game has been questionable best I want to say his most memorable game as a Nick is where he tried to fight LeBron either in his rookie year his second season but uh, yeah, like you said, he's been a surprise so far. I thought that Sterling Brown was going to be a guy they could really rely on on the bench uh, due to injury problems and other things. He has not been that guy. Uh, I-, I would have to say that outside of, you know, Brunson and Maxi, Neil Akin has been their most consistent bench player. And if it wasn't for the Mavericks uh, triangle of trust and them playing 15 players on Tuesday's game, who knows when we would have seen Neil Akin this season. So, Good job, Luca, KP, and Tom Hardaway Jr. on uh, fighting for all those guys to play. Absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've kind of said this through my tweets, but if, if Frank Nilakina can carve himself out a spot in the rotation, that's going to be huge for the Mavs because, like we've talked about ad nauseum at this point, they don't have much creation um, on this roster. And, and not to say that Frank Nilakina is an elite offense creator or anything like that, but just the ability for him to handle the ball and make plays, he's, he's, he's a pretty decent passer, uh, is going to go a long way. Because there were sometimes you see lineups where they play Luca, Brunson, and Frank. And I just can't think of the last time that I saw a lineup with three ball handlers on the floor. Maybe the last time was like, Luca, DeLon Wright, and Seth Curry like a couple of seasons ago, but it's been a while since we've seen that. So 
um, you know, fingers crossed that he continues his encouraging performances. Yeah, I would say the way he's playing and with Dorian's offensive regression, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the near future, if Dorian's shooting struggles are still there, that the Mavericks even make a uh, change in the offensive lineup to start the game. Because I think putting Neil Aquina in the starting lineup over Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, that might be the recipe for them to get rid of these slow starts. They didn't have one today, but I'm not going to treat today, today as a uh, trend because, you know, only one game. Exactly. You know, we, we'd like to see this more going forward, but right now the trend still points to Mavs being a slow start team. Um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith because he's really struggled to shoot the ball this season. Um, I'm just looking at his shooting numbers right now. Like he's, I mean, he's they're not 30, good. Yeah, they're not good. He's shooting 19% from three, 30% overall. It's uh, it's really bad for him. But then again, it's also pretty bad for everyone on this roster, not named Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson, and Maxi Kleba. Um, you know, on the note of shooting, the Mavs are a bottom five team in terms of three-point percentage. Um, as we said, they're bottom five in offensive rating. How much blame do you put on Jason Kidd and the coaching staff versus how much of it do you attribute to just missing looks that normally would go in? I, I would place the blame on, uh, I would say it's a combination. Obviously, they're missing a lot of looks that, you know, usually they're going to go in, I think, as the season goes on and the repetition and, you know, playing in this new offense together is there. They're going to go in. Uh, secondly, I think the new offense, uh, there's been a lot of struggles. I noticed on Thursday that there was a couple of possessions where Maxie and Tim Hardaway Jr. went to the same spot for spacing to, you know, to, to be a spacer for three-point shooting. So I really don't think these guys know where to go a lot of the time as far as being floor spacers and isolation situations. So I, I think as, you know, they kind of learn how to play together, we're going to see uh, better spacing and better shooting. Uh, I want to say the Mavericks' favorite, Mavs Twitter's favorite shadow GM even said the Mavericks are bottom five in three-point frequency as well as three-point, uh, open three-point attempts. So those are two things they really need to improve if they want to be a contender this season. Agreed. And, I mean, the way that this roster is constructed is under the belief that they have – you know, 40% caliber shooters in, in Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway and Reggie Bullock. Uh, but right now, you know, Har I mean, sorry, Finney-Smith and, and Bullock are really struggling. I mean, Reggie Bullock was brought in here on the three-year, $30 million contract. They used the mid-level exception on him. He was pretty much their biggest uh, signing this offseason. But so far, he's been uh, rather disappointing. He's only shooting 33% from three. Um, you know, he had that good game against the Rockets, uh, last Tuesday, where everyone kind of started clamoring for him to start. But in the few games since then, after KP's been out of the lineup and his he started, he hasn't really uh, delivered in the way that we expected from him. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of also of the belief that it's a combination of both. Like we see a lot of moments where the spacing is off when you have two guys rolling to the rim at the same time, or you have a big like Powell clogging the lane on a drive. And as a result, Luca's having to shoot over like two or three guys. Um, but at the same time, like we see a lot of 
uh, open three pointers that this offense generates. And, and just some of the looks are just not dropping. Like, I mean, <laughs> Dorian Finney Smith probably missed at least four open three pointers today. Reggie Bullock missed three or four as well. So I'm, I'm of the belief that this is going to positively regress as, as the season goes on. Um, but we need to find other ways to generate offense when the threes aren't falling. And unfortunately for the Mavs, really the only option there is for Luca to be more uh, aggressive. And I think we saw that uh, in this game. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have talked about this. I think the uh, explosiveness and the drives to the rim for Luca have not been there to start the season. I don't know if he's out of shape or, He's just worn down from all the basketball he played over the summer. But, you know, something is uh, obviously off there. Maybe it's the spacing. I'm not sure. But I would say for the Mavericks offense so far, it's it's just been Murphy's Law. So, you know, what can go wrong is going to go wrong. And for the Mavericks, that's been everything. But somehow, some way, they're four and two, fourth in the West. So I, I guess that's good, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the wins and losses are really what matters. And I think when we look back on the season, we're not really going to ask, well, how did the Mavs win their first four games? It's just going to be more like they won the first four games. And yeah, they're against teams that we expected them to beat. But like, if you look at the Mavs performances from the last couple of seasons, they often didn't get the wins against the teams that they were supposed to. You know, they were swept by the Kings last season. Um, they've, they've had some pretty horrific losses to lottery teams over the last two years. So, I mean, taking care of business against uh, the Raptors, Rockets, Spurs, um, and now the Kings, who, like we said, have improved. I think that's there, there's something to it. Yeah, and to talk about the Kings really quick. Uh, I think they did a great job in the draft with Davion Mitchell the season before, Tyrese Halberton. It's very puzzling to me that Martin Bagley is – getting DNP'd every game, it seems like. But obviously there's some type of, you know, a deeper disagreement between his agent and the Kings management. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Also watching Buddy Heald and watching how Russell Westbrook has kind of struggled in the Lakers offense to start the season. I still find it incredible. They chose hmm. Westbrook over Heald, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I guess as, as a Mavs fan, you can only be thankful that they did because I was seriously scared of the Lakers when it, it seemed like they were going to make that buddy heel trade. I'm like, this is exactly what they need. And all of a sudden that deal fell apart and they got Westbrook. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't like this so much, but I mean, it's a long season. They might figure it out. But right now, um, the Lakers may not be as formidable as a, of a threat as uh, they might have been considered coming into the season. Yeah, and, you know, we think is we think of Buddy Heald as a great three-point shooter, but they flashed a graphic during the game that since 2019-2020, nobody in the NBA has made more threes than him. And that really speaks to how great of a three-point shooter he is and how well he does it at the volume that he does, too. So I, I think a lot of people underrate him. You know, I'm not one of those people that is like, oh, this player is only good if he plays well against the Mavs. But if you watch Buddy Heald night in, night out, uh, he can create his own shot. He's, you know, always willing to shoot off of the catch. And, you know, those two things, you can do that on any team in the NBA and have a spot because that's where this game's really going. 
Yeah, on that note, he's actually the Kings all-time leader in made three-pointers, and he's only played for them um, for five seasons now, I believe. So it's pretty incredible what he's done in his short time in the league. So um, I don't know. I mean, that's a situation to to watch because, you know, they almost traded him this offseason, and his role has always been in flux the last few years, and, and he's not particularly been happy with it. So um I, it's it's wishful thinking that the Mavs could make a deal for someone like that, but I think he's a name to watch as we move on with the season. But enough with the the transactional talk now. Um, you know, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming games this week. So the next Mavs game is Tuesday against the Miami Heat um, in Dallas. The Heat have gotten off to a good start; they're five and one. That game is on TNT, and then it's another back-to-back because on Wednesday night, the Mavs go to San Antonio to play the Spurs, who they just beat last week. Um, and then they don't play again until Saturday when the Celtics come to Dallas, and that runs out their schedule for this week. So how are you feeling about the, the slate for this upcoming week? I feel pretty good about the slate that's coming up. I'm really interested to see how they match up with Miami. I think Miami is probably one of the top three best teams in the league right now. Jimmy Butler might be the early favorite for MVP. Tyler Hero, if he, uh, you know, continues his play, maybe he's a candidate for six man. Uh, I don't know, but uh, really interested to see how they match up against Miami. The Spurs game on Wednesday should be interesting as it was on Thursday when we played them. Uh, Saturday against the Celtics, I believe the Mavericks are unveiling or wearing their new city edition uniforms. So excited to see that. Um, I could be wrong, but I saw they're doing an event on Saturday. So I'm not sure if they're wearing them or, you know, if they're, if they're just unveiling them, that's more of a question for Mavs tracker on Twitter. But regardless, uh, I would say in terms of, you know, the Celtics, they've had a really uh, bad start. I would say if you have read any of Celtics Twitter, it's very, very negative. It makes, uh, Mavs Twitter is like rainbows and unicorns so far. Uh, they want to throw Josh Richardson into the Atlantic. I mean, it's it's not good if you read anything that uh, people have been saying there. And also, Jalen Brown has been great one game and horrendous the next. So uh, I think the key to that game will be the Mavericks just probably shutting down Tatum and uh, limiting Schroeder's drives to the lane where he's actually had a decent amount of success this year so hats off to him for playing well in his role and not sulking due to the contract yeah absolutely um you know yeah i also feel pretty good about the games coming up this week miami's definitely going to be a tough one Um, i'm interested to see if bam Adebayo plays in the game he missed the game on saturday against memphis so um, with a knee injury. So we'll see if he plays in the game against Dallas. But regardless, it's going to be a tough matchup. You got Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, um, quality team. Uh, the game against San Antonio, uh, again, very winnable game, but it's on the second night of a back-to-back. So getting off to a good start is going to be paramount, as it always is. And then Saturday against the Celtics, I mean, that's also a winnable game. Um, I think the Celtics always do strike me as a team that that's always a tough matchup. But like you said, Jalen Brown has struggled this season. I think he's going through something similar to what Tatum went through uh, with COVID kind of lingering and, and slowing him down. So we'll see 
Um, it's really funny to see Celtics Twitter just kind of melt down every time Josh Richardson does something like break an open three or like turn it over. And I just can't help but think like, thank God that's not our problem anymore. Um, so the, hey, the Josh... <laughs> yeah. And I just checked the Saturday, the Mavericks are wearing their city edition uniforms. So they yeah, totally they haven't been linked on Twitter. Nobody has no idea, any <laughs> idea what they look like. Uh, obviously I think everybody at this point has seen them. So I will say it's very interesting. They're debuting green uniforms against the Celtics, but Hey, or white and green uniforms, I should say, but yeah. still. Yeah. I, a quick, quick sidebar on that. Like, I don't know about you, but I never believe in if you can help it wearing like the opponent's color when you play them, I think it's just best to stay away from that, but it is interesting. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, uh, Nike and the NBA does all the jersey scheduling on the regular season now. So I, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, somebody somewhere at Nike or the NBA said, okay, this is a good matchup where the Mavericks are wearing their uh, white, green, and blue new city edition jerseys and the Celtics are wearing their black and green jerseys. So that'll be interesting to see. And the one thing that hasn't been leaked yet is apparently the Mavericks do have a new city edition court. court. So Okay. Yeah. I've been wondering that too. So I'm excited to see it because I'm sure it'll look good. But, um, you know, interestingly enough, like if you think back three seasons ago, Luca's rookie year, uh, the Mavs actually debuted their city edition uniforms on a Saturday night game against the Celtics that year. So must be something about the opponent and the time slot that caused (laughs) Nike and the NBA to choose this game. (laughs) Yeah. One thing we will be certain of is uh, Luca and Kyrie will not be getting into it on the Saturday. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Fun times. Well, that's uh that's really all I got for this episode. You have any other closing thoughts about the Mavs past and future? Uh past, I was also going to say that, you know, they won today's matchup against the Kings in spite of not rebounding as well as the Kings, but they hit more of their threes and that led them to win. I think for the Mavericks to win in the future, uh, like you said, and like I said, if they just start hitting their shots and uh, their spacing is better and guys get more comfortable in the system and uh, hopefully, you know, we see some better rebounding, uh, that'll be the key to success for the Mavericks. I would also say so far, uh, obviously it's been very frustrating with KP's injury problems, but he has played well in defensive. He has played well defensively this season, but uh, I would venture to say, Besides Maxi and KP, the Mavericks' big situation is very scary to think about. Because oh, yeah, I, 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 sure. I don't trust anybody outside of those two to play meaningful minutes in the playoffs. So I think it'll be a very interesting trade deadline for the Mavericks. I think a lot of people are pointing to Goran Dragic, but their biggest need right now, I mean, one could make the argument, besides a creator, which they obviously need, would be a reliable big for the playoffs. Yeah, totally agree with you. I think a stretch big is probably one of their their largest needs because, you know, with KP's health always up in the air and now Maxi Kleba with the the back strain, we don't know when he's going to be back. Um, So just another serviceable big man that's not a liability in in any way uh, is something that they need. I mean, yeah, this this game was not good for the Mavs bigs uh, when Maxi went out because, you know, we know how Willie Cauley-Stein is just – not tough enough, um, you know, on the inside. Dwight Powell, while he's a good rim roller, has his limitations too. 
Moses Brown, he's raw, athletic, but I wasn't particularly impressed with his minutes today. So, um, yeah, that that's going to be something to look at. And, and hopefully Maxi doesn't miss much time because if he does, then things might be looking a bit dire. But yeah, anyways, thanks, Tyler, for uh, joining me on this podcast. It was great chatting with you. Um, you know, always enjoy talking with you on the side about the Mavs and definitely want to have you on here in the future again. Sounds great, Jay. Always fun talking Mavs with you and uh, always reading your tweets on Twitter, especially the ones where Mark Stein tweeted you. But that's when <laughs> you know you made it. Yeah, that was cool. Shout out Mark Stein, one of my favorite NBA writers of all time. That I was, was going to say, if you go to about uh, four or five uh, Starbucks in the DFW area, you'll probably catch him there working because I've seen him multiple times. I've, I've heard that too. I haven't been able to catch him. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Tyler. Follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Atoms. That's A-T-O-M-S. And follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, follow us on Instagram, also at Mavs Film Room. And we're trying to do weekly episodes, so I'm sure we'll be back later this week with another episode. But for now, it's Jay Apaji, Tyler Adams signing off for the Mass Film Room podcast. We'll catch you later.